Hey, can you flesh that out for me? Wow. Tell me a little bit more Swimming about that. in shallow waters. Are you serious? Okay, let's go a little deeper. <laughs> Alright. Let's get into it. Alright, everybody. Welcome to the Listen to Speak podcast. I am your host, Jamal Marshall, podcaster and certified counselor, taking clients through 12 weeks to help them establish boundaries to reach their full potential. But this is not about me. This is about my guest, Zach Hoffman, award-winning author, transformation coach, and founder of Swall Leadership. Zach, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Jamal. Really appreciate you having me on and really looking forward to talking to you today. And like I said, just really thankful for the opportunity. I'm excited to chop it up with you, man. And we're going to break down all these acronyms that you have built into your blog, your book, (laughs) some of your content. But I do have a question that I ask mostly every guest when they come on here, because I think it opens up the conversation and keeps things organic. What is your favorite genre of music and how has it informed the way you do business and the way you go about life? That's a great question. I would say I do love Christian music because I'm not a huge churchgoer, to be honest. Um, I'm more of like someone who has, I guess, his kind of own relationship with the higher power in God. But for me, I feel like listening to Christian music and it's inspired me a lot just because it talks about, you know, dealing with a lot of adversity and how to overcome those life challenges that really we all have had at some point in our lives. And I just know for me, when, you know, ever I'm struggling or going through something, if I'm able to, you know, just turn on some Christian music, some positive, inspiring music with positive words, for me, that's, you know, it's went a long way in helping me get out of whatever rut I was in or get through uh, you know, whatever I was going through. Now, in terms of like working out and things like this, I love rap. I love old school rap. And I also like some 90s rock as well. Okay. So who are some of those artists, man? Drop, drop some artists for the people who will be listening to this. Okay. I, um, for, for, for rap, I like Tupac for sure. I mean, we all know. We don't know Tupac. I like Eminem, Sheen Gun Kelly when I'm working out too. And as far as Christian music, Michael W. Smith is someone I've heard uh, a lot of his music, even Curtis Chapman as well, is uh, another singer who I really, really like the lyrics in his songs as well. A lot of inspiring stuff about his life and his trials and tribulations. So I think music in general is it does so much for us, you know, and I'm just thankful that, you know, we live in a world where we can listen to music because I feel like a lot of people, including myself, rely on it in those difficult times. And so for me, yeah, those are a few of mine, my personal favorites. I see you like the old school people, man. You've mentioned <laughs> Mike and Steven. I'm like, man, I had cornrows. <laughs> Actually, when, when Michael W. Smith first came out, I think I was a little little guy. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. But it's funny because, you know, that's where I remember him. It first started when I was a little kid in the car riding home with my parents from church or whatever. You know, that's what I remember here. And so for me, like I said, that's what that's what kind of stuck out in my mind. I see. No, no, I appreciate your honesty. I saw you mentioned Tupac, who is definitely, uh, I would say, one of the chief hip hop artists. It's a difference between hip hop and rap, but that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) And Machine Gun Kelly, he's a little bit bit newer to the game. But when it comes to hip hop, I'm definitely one of the old school people. So stuff that's out now, my Spotify would would look outdated uh, to most (laughs) folks, man. But uh, no, I appreciate the way you you mentioned that, um, because most of us do depend uh, on music in ways that we don't realize. And for me, as a former poet and lyricist, it's what a person is saying, not even so much the beat or the tone that matters most to me, because words are spirit. Oddly enough, I love instrumental music. Sometimes I don't want to hear anybody's mouth. So mm. I've got Absolutely. to talk. 
yeah. I got to talk to you uh, about this book and about some of the things that you wrote in the book. And obviously the acronym SWOL Leadership, that's obviously the name of your business. Um, and so I know what it means, but I want you to tell the guest what it means and what inspired you to come up with that name. Definitely. And it's kind of funny because when I first wrote the book, I actually meant it to stand for Swiss Army Leadership, like SW Swiss and then the A Army Leadership. However, when I was going through the publishing process, I was told that, you know, there might be some copywriting violations with the Swiss Army knife and he created it. So I kind of had to change that. And so for me, I just said, okay, how, how can I come up with something that fits the message I'm trying to get across and that fits my, my journey as a, you know, as a former athlete and a coach and things like this? So I came up with uh, sensible worldwide adaptable leadership because what I've learned throughout my journey is that effective leadership in our modern day world, we have to be able to embrace globalization and embrace intercultural competence and in terms of its relationship to leading effectively and being able to adjust ourselves like a Swiss army knife, being able to perform multiple tasks, being able to adjust to our environment. And for me, that was the acronym that I came up with because I felt that it kind of best fit the message I was trying to get across and everything that you know I've kind of learned throughout my time being in Europe and being overseas and being in these uh, multicultural environments within a leadership role. No, no, I appreciate that. And uh reading some of your blog, you know, when I think of the Swiss Army knife, I mean, there's so many different components to it. <laughs> it's so many different parts to it. And it fits into so many different crevices within the home or within whatever you're doing, especially camping. Obviously, being out there's super, there's uh, just a ton of needs there that get met through the Swiss Army knife. And it takes that role of changing form to fit the need at the moment. And you wrote in one of your blogs about servant leadership and how that's something that we should be hungry and thirsty for. Uh, I often say a lot of the pain points are the very things that design the hunger for what we put out there and what we put out in the universe and out in the world. What led to you talking that much about servant leadership? That's a great question. For me, uh, I think it was a process. Like most of us, we all go through different phases and experiences in our lives. And I think for me, going through those experiences and really kind of realizing what life was all about. You know, when I first started playing sports and first got into athletics, um, I wanted to be known as an, a great athlete. That was what my identity was, or what I thought it was. And I wanted to be known for that. I wanted people to say, oh, Zach, he's a quarterback. He, he's a football player. And I wanted to have those accolades. I wanted to throw touchdown passes. I wanted to win games. And I thought that's what success and that's what impact was. But, you know, kind of as I went on through my journey and I was real with myself and I realized the platform I had in Europe as an American football player in Europe, you're looked up to, especially by the youth players. And I think just being in those situations and seeing how those young people were maybe gravitating towards me and asking me questions, I kind of realized that, you know, football and sports, it wasn't my ultimate purpose like I had originally thought. It was simply my platform in order to reach these, these young people. And I think for me as a servant leader, what I realized was if you want to earn the respect of others and you really want them to feel you as a person and feel your impact on them, you have to make it about them, not about you. And you have to, that starts with listening. And for me, what I realized is as I was listening to these people talk, while our lives were so different, our journeys were so different, as I was listening to them, I was able to connect those emotions that we all experience 
because, you know, we as humans, we're creatures of emotion, regardless of where we're from. And so I kind of thought, wow, if I could focus on that emotional connection with someone, despite our experience being different, if I can focus on that, then we can really connect on a deeper level. And then I'm going to be in a position to serve them. And because I'm going to have their respect, they're going to see where I'm coming from, um, despite maybe not going through what they have. And so for me, I think servant leadership, there's so many ways to, you know, act this way and, you know, be this type of leader. But for me, what was huge was, excuse me, just taking that time to listen. And when I would, when I noticed when I was listening, I was able to connect my emotions with theirs. And for me, that's was, I had a lot of success in that, not as not, you know, on the field or in terms of results, but just as getting to know somebody and earning their respect and connecting with them on a deeper level. Wow. You just said an earful. I think of the, uh, you're hearing more about it now in the last two years. I think we've ever heard about it, uh, but emotional intelligence and those qualitative (laughs) qualities that actually matter more than what we quantify as success. And obviously there's a cliche phrase that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when people know and can sense how much you care, it often increases your platform of leadership because they're willing to be led by someone who they believe truly cares about them. So I'm just grateful that you took the journey to sit with what is real. In the business world, obviously, you know this as an author and as a, as a transformational coach, there is so much marketing and anyone can run themselves, I often say, through Fiverr or Canva and appear as more than they are. Absolutely. When it gets down to the person, are they a servant leader or are they here just to pad their pockets with money and to line you know, the online world with their so-called influence? I'm putting quotes around it for those who cannot see me. Uh, so <laughs> really appreciate that you took that journey um, and just what took you to that place. I did want to ask you a question on just a, a quote that you wrote sure. in the book, and I want you to just widen it open. Uh, you said, while street smarts and book smarts are totally different, they go hand in hand when it comes to effective leadership. I really like that. And I'd like for the audience, if you could flesh that out. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, this quote was um, kind of based on you know, I think what a lot of young people go through, especially after they finish school, where maybe they don't have the, you know, educational background or the experience that employers or people are looking for. And for me, that you can make up for that with your, like you said before, with emotional intelligence and being able to be that person when you enter a room that you're comfortable with awkwardness and you're that person who can succeed in awkward situations and, you know, be the one who, gets people you know motivated and going in the right direction maybe even when they don't speak the same language or they don't know each other for me that's 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 what street smarts that's what i meant by that because i feel like a lot of people get kind of pushed to the side because they don't have what we as society call as you know an impressive resume or you know a successful history um because maybe they don't have the educational background or maybe they don't have the master's or doctor's degree However, they're people, people, and then they can go into a room and then they can own that room and they can earn the respect of others. And so for me, if you're able to, so what I like to tell people is oftentimes you need those accolades just to get your foot in the door. But once you get your foot in the door, it's not about that anymore. People are looking at you and they're going to look how you interact with them. Are you able to inspire them? Are you able to show them that you're about helping them become the best version of themselves and collectively the team? So 
accolades will get your foot in the door, but at the, at the end of the day, you'll, you'll be exposed for who you are as a person. And so for me, if you're able to kind of tie those together and use those accolades to get you that opportunity, and then from there, use those soft skills and use those, you know, what you've learned throughout your journey with people, that's what's going to, you know, have you have that longevity as a successful leader, not just, you know, using it as a title, using a title as a way to, you know, direct people. I feel like a lot of people do that. Unfortunately, they have their, they have a leader on their, you know, it says it on their desk or in front of their door. And, you know, once you start talking to them, you realize, wow, this person is a fraud in a lot of ways. You know, they're not about, you know, what they say they are, or what their, you know, job title says they are. And so for me, it's just being about being genuine and taking the time to have that individualistic approach, because I feel like, especially in big companies and teams, we often focus on the ones who are top performers, and we don't realize the potential that can be there in those who are maybe not at the top level, but they just need that person to inspire them to reach their full potential. And unfortunately, I think that deals with our, you know, short-term idea. We, we always want success quickly. We want everything quick. And when someone's not performing, we move on to the next. And I feel like, unfortunately, people lose, you know, a lot of people with a lot of potential lose out in that situation, maybe because they're not ready. They just need that person to get the best out of them. And so for me, that quote, it's, you know, it has a lot to it, but that's kind of direction I was going at when I, when I wrote that. Well, I can certainly see the passion in your eyes while you're talking. (laughs) I would say the mic dropped a couple of times while you were talking. It it made me think of just the term leading from the bottom up. Um, and true servant leadership that takes into eyes the one. You know, I think about that with clients because, uh, you know, when you're on social media and you're expanding, you can take your eyes off the one. And I, I focus on clients one at a time. Now, you can go to corporate level and do some training and everything like that. That can be very effective. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually quite fruitful. It's a great lead magnet. But to focus on that one client that is in front of you and to give them everything to me, that also is indicative of good leadership and not fraudulent. Like, well, let me go out here where I have this big brand, you know, in a podcast where we're speaking to a global audience here. But when I have one person that's actually made an investment, let me give them the biggest ROI, the biggest return on investment. They've invested time and money. If, if anything, they've they're just set themselves down to listen. What am I going to speak and pour into them? And how am I going to mentor them? And so I thought of the word mentorship a lot when you were talking, Absolutely especially true. in the professional realm you know, mentorship opportunities. There's plenty of opportunities, um, but are companies seeing the benefit of having a mentor? Because so if we're just gut level honest in the professional realm, we come on to jobs really not knowing. For sure. And needing to be mentored, needing to be, uh, I'll use a G word here, groomed, you know, uh, into our position about how to be the most effective. So uh, just when I was reading it, I was just like, man, what what led him <laughs> to kind of open up that can of how street smarts? Yeah. I guess, too, Jamal, if I can say what goes into that, too, what I guess it's, you know, when I was in Europe, there was often times where I was in situations, I was kind of dropped into a map where people didn't speak my language uh, to a level where I could effectively communicate. And so I think from there, you have to get creative. And it helped. I think it trained me a lot because I became much more attentive to, uh, you know, those other senses that get lost. And I think that kind of is where that street smarts came to just being in those, you know, kind of difficult situations and figuring out a way to still be effective as well. 
Well, that's one of the things about leadership is you learn how to come up with solutions. <laughs> that's <laughs> right, man. On the problem. But some people aren't naturally oriented that way. They're oriented to see the problem or as a result of their own trauma um, to let the problem become bigger than it may already be. How do you speak to those since you are a, a transformational coach? You know, what do you tell your clients in those situations? Absolutely. Uh, for me, I work a lot with athletes who didn't make it to the professional level or, or maybe retired or had an injury. And I'm sure you can relate. You know, a lot of athletes, when they're trying to reach that highest level, they put everything into their sport. They put their whole life, you know, everything they've done, all their energy into making it. And when they don't make it, it can be a devastating situation. And however, I, I like to tell them, and I what I've learned is it, it's not a devastating situation. It's just an opportunity for growth in other realms of professional, you know, your professional life. Because a lot of athletes, they, they have identity crisis when, you know, their sport or their body doesn't allow them to play anymore. They don't know what to do with their life. But at the end of the day, they don't realize they have the skills. They've learned these skills to succeed in other realms of, of professionalism and business. They just need to kind of reshape those skills and reshape those in order to fit their new venture. And so what I try to do as a transformational coach is really kind of, it starts from within. So I, I really try to, you know, help these guys realize and help these, you know, athletes realize the skills that they have that they don't realize and how, you know, what they went through during their sport will do them wonders in this new venture to whatever that want to be, whether becoming an entrepreneur, becoming an author, you know, becoming a business owner, whatever that may be. Um, but I think the initial mental, you know, struggle that we go through when adversity strikes is, oh my, the world's ending. What are we going to do? But if you kind of sit back and take time to look within yourself and take those lessons that you've learned, uh, I think you can kind of, you know, be real and say, hey, this part of my life is over. Let's transition to the next phase. But in order to do that, you have to accept it and be willing to accept it. Because I feel like a lot of people, they still want to hold on to the past. They still want to say, you know, I got injured or something happened, but I could still make it. You have to be real with yourself in a lot of ways, because I feel like there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I didn't achieve this goal. That's fine. How, how can I realign my goals in order to still have that impact and reach my potential? Because I feel like a lot of people, they chase a goal where, you know, at the, in the end of the day, it's very unlikely that they're going to succeed, but they don't realize that there are other avenues and that they don't have to you know, seclude themselves with this one idea. There's power in a plan B. Uh, and a lot of people think, you know, why should I have a plan B? I've done this my whole life. This is what I'm going to do. That's just simply not a responsible decision because anything can happen in life. You have to, like I said with the, in the book with the Swiss Army knife, be able to adapt to life struggles and situations. And so for me as a transformation club, this is what I try to help people do. Take the skills that they already have and re redefine, reshape them into this new venture that will hopefully help them reach their full potential. That was a very full answer. <laughs> and I really appreciate that because, you know, what I'm hearing at least um, is that you are taking the time to actually get in the trenches with your client and tailor make your transformational coaching with them too. Mm. Uh, at least I know that's what I do with clients. Absolutely. Um, it's easy to over automate and just to say, Hey, 
let's just throw this online program at you and completely miss what your specific need is. And every athlete is going to have a different mindset, a different background, a different mental health. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Archetype. You know, so how do I then take what is before me and come up with a solution oriented towards their need that actually helps them reach their potential? So I'm loving what I'm hearing from you. Um, I did want to ask just for the fact that when it comes to leadership, you know, you talked earlier about the way that we look at leadership and the CEO in the door or whatever like that. But many times, if you're active in the business space, especially on LinkedIn, people think leadership has a certain age. (laughs) And people think leadership should have gray hair and a wrinkly face and, and, you know, just (laughs) a saggy chin or something like that. And there's a scripture in the book of Timothy. I don't want to butcher it, but it says, let no one despise your youth, be an example on word and faith and purity and so on. And so I want to ask you, and honestly, mm. have you had someone look down on you and doubt you because of your age? This happens every day. Every day it happens to me. And you know what? I don't take it personally because I try to see what they're thinking. And they see this, you know, this younger guy who is preaching this message of, you know, be adaptable. This is how you succeed in, in business and in life. And they've done things a certain way their whole life, and maybe they've had success. But I think what I've realized is maybe they're looking at success differently from how I look at it. They're looking at success in terms of you know, results, quantitative, like most of us do and like most of society does. But I'm not preaching that message. I'm preaching success from being fulfilled within and being, you know, having the ability to impact others on a deeper level. And from that comes the fulfillment. And when the fulfillment comes, that's when I feel like you can live life to the fullest. Because a lot of people, and I'm sure you can relate, they they think that, oh, if I make this amount of money a year, that's what I need to be happy. Maybe that will help you along your journey. And maybe that will be a part of it. But it's not going to be the only thing. It's not enough. Until you're you know, really having that deeper impact on someone, it has to be more about you at some point. It can't just be about you know, your success as a person. And so when I hear that, I try to hear it from like a neutral perspective and just understand what they're saying. But I also realize that our world is changing and leadership is changing. And these people who are in in these roles now aren't going to be in these roles in, you know, 10, 15 years. So I just try to keep that in mind and not let them, you know, stop my message or put me down Rather, accept what they're saying, respect them for it, but at the same time, you know, know that my capabilities within myself and what I've been through, trust on that and rely on that. And at the end of the day, your opportunity will come, you know, to have that influence and impact if you're ready for it. All right, man. Spoken with confidence. Um, and, and that's, I love the way you answered that um, because true authority comes from the life that we live offline. And it doesn't always come from our appearance. Now, I do respect those who are older than me. For sure. My generations. Uh, I mean, I'm nearly 40 myself. I don't look it. So I've caught the flag. Of, oh, you look so young. It's like, well, I, I can't help this ageless brown skin that God has given me. Thankful for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're, you're still young. 40 is young. You're good. <laughs> but I mean, on, on a serious note, um, I've seen even content in the business world that someone wouldn't work with someone who was younger than them. And uh, this person, you know, from a faith-based, a religious perspective, they profess to be a Christian. So um, (laughs) 
I was just, I laughed at their post because they're, they're a wonderful friend of mine. And I said, you know, whether you believe whatever it is you believe, you know, everyone knows that there was a man named Christ Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, however you say it in your dialect. He did exist. His earthly ministry ended at 33. <laughs> and he affected <laughs> millions and still is affecting millions and billions. And so, you know, I think a lot of times with content or, or with business, there's a cognitive dissonance uh, many times. You don't even know what you're interacting with because everybody's like, oh, I agree with that. And it's like, well, do you? <laughs> and, and do you even see what you're saying? Um, I've had clients that were nearly twice my age. You know, there's an authority there because there's at least enough experience in my life to lead them in what they're needing and they're seeking me out for. Um, I may not be, I don't consider myself a life coach. I'm a counselor. <laughs> I'm, I tell people I'm not a coach. Um, but when I work with my clients, I know how to give them the biggest bang for their buck. But more importantly, though not perfect and far from it, I do my best to make sure I'm living it offline. And that's what I'm hearing from you. And I'm loving that. That's where authority to lead comes from. It doesn't come from your age. History tells I mean, human history, we had kings that were in their 20s. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Armies. So I, I just felt, I said, I should ask Zach this question. I want to know how he's going <laughs> to answer this. So good job, man. Uh, I do want to ask you this because I, I believe this is a great question to see how leaders, real leaders will handle this. What is something that you failed at and would you learn from it? Wow. I failed a lot of times in my life. Um, too many account. Uh, I would say my biggest failure was, is in terms of leader, was taking on a role that I wasn't ready for. Accepting a position where internally I wasn't ready to take on that position and lead those people because I wasn't leading myself effectively in my own life. Um, so I think what I've learned through that is in order to lead others effectively, you have to be living it yourself. You have to be leading yourself. And if you aren't and you try to put on this facade, people are going to find you out and you're going you're gonna to be you know, seen for who you really are. And I think for me, what I learned is it's not always a bad thing to be a follower. It's actually good to be a follower. If that person who's leading you, you can learn from and is a positive mentor for you. And I think for me, I, there was a coaching position I took in Italy. It was a youth coaching position for, you know, kids from 16 to 19. And I was at the time 23. So there wasn't much of a difference in our ages. And I was still living the life of a 23-year-old in a lot of ways. I wasn't really mature enough for that. And, it just, you know, through that, I lost a lot of respect. And um, for me, what I realized was throughout that process, like I said before, if you're not leading yourself effectively, <clears throat> you're, you know, your followers are going to see you for who you are. And I think that really was an eye-opener for me in my life that, hey, I have to make some changes. If I want to have an impact, I have to be willing to change. And if I'm not, then, you know, the impact that I strive and I preach is, is, is it's, it's not real. I'm just being fake with people. And I ended up having to take a back seat for about a year or two, really went through um, a lot of questioning, a lot of self-evaluation of where my life was going. And thankfully, I had a positive mentor to help me throughout that journey. And after two years, I feel like I became a better person and a more effective leader. And I was able to take on the next role as a coach and really be genuine with it. Uh, but for me, that was for sure my biggest mistake, simply chasing that, <clears throat> excuse me, that position rather than chasing the impact. I was chasing that title. So for me, yeah. No, oh, I, I appreciate uh, I think about how much you've written about leadership in both 
your blog, your website, uh, obviously most spaces that you're on social media. So I was compelled to to really dig into that. Um, and I really like what you said about the difference between real leadership and fraudulent leadership. Um, and I've seen the other side of it um, in so many different spaces, especially in social media as men. I think many times we're we're called to put on this really tough exterior and overly talk about our failures. And it's kind of a way of projecting. Um, there's There are people who are actually so discreet that it ends up being deceitful. They never talk about their failures. Mm. And there's a, another way of projecting, uh, talking about your failures too much to where it almost removes the reality of what you really are. Mm. And it can put a blindness in those who are following you. Uh, and it often reveals a blindness. And we know from scripture, it says, if the blind leave the blind, will they both not fall into a ditch? So I really just, something about the way you broke that down just made me think of the inverse of, of fraudulent leadership that it, it, I just wanted for our guests show that it comes across in different ways, folks. So Absolutely. I do. Uh, and I, you, you brought this up as we're getting ready to close out here. Um, in some different ways, because I know you deal with a lot of different people uh, from different walks of life. And so for your own journey, what part did mental health and mental well-being play and how you navigated hurdles and also how you lead others in the hurdles that they're navigating? Yeah, for me, mental health was a huge thing that I would say I didn't take really seriously when I was younger. You know, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm blessed, you know, my life's good, you know, I'll never have that problem or experience um, until I went through it myself. You know, when I finished my playing career, I had an, excuse me, I had an identity crisis. I was lost. And for me, um, I didn't know where to go with my life. And uh, I, because like I said, I made the mistake of identifying as an athlete and I didn't understand that I was capable of so much more and I was putting limitations on myself my whole life simply focusing on that sport and my ability to perform. And for me, um, having that mentor in my life where I could be vulnerable with uh, was, did wonders for me. And um, I feel like as a, as a man, we have to do a better job of that with each other is being more vulnerable and real with how life, you know, the challenges that life brings. And I'm just very thankful that I reached a point where I said, okay, I need to seek this guidance because I'm kind of at rock bottom in a way. And a lot of us, like, you know, we don't, you know, rise again until we hit rock bottom or we're not forced to rise again, but I don't think it has to get to that point. I think that we all have the, you know, we, we all can be real with ourselves and understand that, Hey, maybe I'm going through a rough time. I don't have to do it alone. Let me seek that person who has been through the trenches and that person that I know will be the one to, you know, help lift me up. And for me, I'm just very thankful that uh, I reached that rock bottom. And because I feel like if I didn't, I would have never sought the, the, that help. Uh, but, you know, as a transformational coach, I like to tell people and the clients that I work with, hey, I went through this process. I'm not just someone who, you know, took a course and had this amazing life. And now I want to help you. No. I've been through the trenches. I've been through this. So I understand what you're feeling. And for me, I, I hope that that helps them realize that, Hey, I'm not, I, I'm really in this with you. I understand what you're feeling and I want to help you get through what I did. So I think mental health is a huge thing. And I think men need to do a better job 
communicate, communicating amongst one another and being honest and, you know, being real with each other. And I think that when, once we get to a point where we can do that, um, we'll be able to really learn from one another and have that impact that we, you know, me and you and all of us in this space strive to have. Man alive, Zach, that that's a wonderful way to cap off our conversation uh, <laughs> here today, man. And uh, they have an audience of, of both men and women. Uh, but guys, I hope you're hearing this and, and listening clearly to this and new listeners, um, how important it is for men to come out of isolation, one, and to seek help because uh, we're seeing a lot. I think we're hearing more today about mental health than we ever had before. Sure. And stigma is slowly being removed, but for guys, it's still put on that tough exterior, go it alone. And that is actually the way down. That That mm. is not the way up. The way up is down is to humble yourself and to actually not take that journey alone, but to bounce who you are off another person. Just listening to you, similar to you, you know, everything I've taken clients to, I've gone through myself and Mm. So it's a, it's a bunch of folks who certified in coaching over COVID. I ain't new to this. I'm true to this. I've been doing this since 2013. <laughs> so I'm grateful to be in the trenches with another like yourself, Zach. Um, as we're closing out here, man, please tell my guests, you know, other than your website, uh, because that's the standing area there. Where can they find you and where can they connect with you? Uh, for me, I think the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. I'm always on, you know, I'm very active there. Uh, it's at Zhoff, uh, sorry, at Zachhoff12, so Z A C H O F F one two. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. It's Zachary uh, Hoffman. I, I like to connect with people on there as well. Uh, but I would say Instagram for me is definitely definitely the place where I'm most active. Sweet. And if you guys are on Amazon, go out and get the book Effective Leadership in a Modern World. So Zach. Thanks so much for coming on Listen and Speak. As a guest, it's been a blessing to have you, man. And wishing you an awesome week and wishing your clients the absolute best, man. Thank you, Jamal. Appreciate you. God bless. Grace and peace, man. We're at the end of our show. and just want to thank you for coming to take the time to get into it with us over here at Listen and Speak. We do want to ask that you would feel free to visit the website at www.listenthenspeak.com. Drop us off some feedback. And if you also want to be a guest on the show, feel free to email me at jmarsh1218 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. I want to leave my guests with one thing. What is one thing that can help each of us to listen then speak and broach topics with our fellow man in a manner that is mutually beneficial? Feel free to join us next week. Take care, everyone. Grace and peace.